Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. In the last week, you know, I've, I've certainly... It's, it's, of course, it's been stood out more and more to me that when you do make a commitment, you know, to, to do the things that God has put on your heart and the things that God has called us to do as a church, that just like Mark 4, 15 says, Satan comes immediately to steal what you've got. Immediately. He doesn't wait. And nobody is immune from those immediate attacks. You know, we've already heard about, you know, an accident at the Jets' house and an accident in the Tapia's house and, you know, the situation we were dealing with over the weekend. And, um, you know, there is, there is a, a purpose and a plan for us at the moment that we're in. You know, and the plan that God has for us currently is, involves prayer. And uh, we were at prayer on a Monday night sometime in the last three months, and I began to listen to pastor as he was praying. You know, sometimes he prays in English, and sometimes he prays in the Spirit. But that night he was praying, he was praying in English, and I heard him say, I heard him talk about, uh, I wish I had written it down so that I could get it exact. But what he was saying was that people who give themselves to prayer become more and more valuable to God. And when they become more and more valuable to the Lord, they also become a target of the enemy. If you have, if you have committed yourself to prayer, you've committed yourself to living a life closer to God. You've committed yourself to a life where, where you're going to be a witness. You've committed yourself to a, to a time and a place where you're going to take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way. You have put a target on your back. Is that good news? Well, I guess not. <laughs> the enemy does not want you doing what you're doing. Number one, he doesn't want you to get in that commitment zone and stay there. He wants to try to pull you away from those things. And so I just want to talk for a minute about, about how he comes. How, you know, and, and sometimes it's just distractions. He just wants to put things in your life that will, that will pull you away. Well, you know, I can't go to Monday night prayer because I have to go do this. Well, I can't do this. Well, I have to do this. Well, I can't do this because I have to do this. Well, I'm too busy to talk to that person because I've got to be somewhere in 10 minutes. And if, and if I stay here, I'll be late. Uh, sometimes it's just little distractions. And so we have to be careful that we are always on guard right here to know whether the Spirit of God is talking to us or not. Because you know what? Being late is no big deal. Most people are. Did you know that? Um, not a good thing. But, but, you know, when God's talking to you, it doesn't matter. I've got too much to do. Listen, God will redeem your time. The Word says that He's going to redeem our time when we seize the opportunities. He'll redeem that time. No matter what it is that we've got, we think we've got to do, He'll give us that time back. He'll make it so that we manage to get through a project easily, quickly, better than what we would have had we not stopped and obeyed him. Sometimes, you know, it's, it, it, can, it can boil down to just, you know, family obligations. You know, we have to, we have to get to a place where we have to decide, and I think I said this three weeks ago, is, is we have to decide what's eternal 
what things are of eternal importance and what things are just natural. You know, sometimes the natural things, they seem all that important, but when you boil it right down, are they really that important? Do they carry any kind of eternal weight with them? Well, if they don't, you know, then they're not that big a deal. You know, we can just move on from there. Yes, there are things that are important, but, you know, are they that important at that moment? You know, that's why it's so important that we listen. Right now, I, I, I've been back and forth in the last, last week just, just reading over some things about just following the Spirit of God. And there's just no getting away from the fact that when we do that, more and more, and we become more and more acquainted with what's on the inside of us, and we more accurately follow his leading, that everything falls into place. You know, we, I listened to Brother Mark, you know, from the message two weeks ago. I listened to Leah's message from last Wednesday night. You know, and, and uh, you know, the theme keeps running all through the last few weeks, you know, is, is, is hearing Hearing God, hearing God, hearing God, seeking first the kingdom of God, and all these other things, they'll fall into place. They'll just fall into place. Listen, all the answers you need, all the, the problems you need resolved, all the, the, the questions you may have, you know, everything. When you're seeking God, they, they come without even getting in a dither about it. They'll just come. They'll be there. When, when you're not even thinking about it, suddenly it'll be right there. When we put ourselves in a place of seeking him first, seeking his will, seeking his way, following his plan, all those other things come. You know, you don't have to work at it so hard. You know, and so, and so I know that in the days ahead, you just need to be reminded that opportunities are going to come for you to believe God. In different areas. All of us may not have the same areas that the enemy will, will come at us in, but we all have the same God. We all have the same faith. We all have the same promises, and we're all guaranteed the same victory. The same. And so, you know, it, just remember that in the days we ahead, you know, as we are together as a body, we become more aware of the opportunities to minister outside the body. But we also are becoming more aware of the opportunities to minister inside the body. And thank God so many of you have been doing just that the last week or so. You have been open to hearing and open to obeying and doing what God said in that area of prayer for somebody that is in the body. And, and you know, it's kind of like circling the wagons. You know, when, when God puts somebody on your heart, it's time to circle the wagons. You know, in the, in the, you know, the old days, Cowboys and Indians, you know, kind of programs, you know, when the, the, the wagon train was going across, you know, going from the Midwest all the way to the West Coast, you know, when they get into Indian territory, they would stop for the night, but they would circle the wagons, you know, a little protection there so that they could defend themselves very well. Listen, when the, the enemy starts throwing the fiery darts, he doesn't care who he hits. So long as he hits somebody that's within that circle. You know, so, you know, sometimes we have to be very aware that it's time to circle the wagons. You know, in a, in a herd, you know, you, you watch the nature shows and you've got a herd of, say, I don't know, gazelles or something and the lions are out there prowling around. The whole herd is aware of the one who is straggling. 
And as soon as that lion attacks the straggler, the herd turns and comes back, you know, and begins to help the one who is being attacked. You know what? We have to be ever mindful of that. When, you, when we, we get somebody on our heart, when we see somebody struggling with something, it's time to, to just come together and just surround them with the support of our prayers and our encouragement, you know, whatever God lays on our heart to do, you know, and, and just be there for them. And, um, you know, I, I, I go back to Acts 26, 16. Let's just go back over there. And I, and I, I, I realize that this, verse, Acts 26, 16, you know, it's, it's been the vision of this church for all these years, but it, it really takes on so much more momentum right this minute. But rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness. See, God wants to make every one of us a minister and a witness. And too often we read things like this and, and, and we, we always think that means somebody else. But he's talking to you. He wants you to be a minister. He wants you to be a witness. Of what? Of the things both which you have seen. Listen, Coral prayed for somebody and then was able to tell them the next day, I pray for you. The Lord laid you on my heart and I prayed for you. Now, how did she know to do that? Because of what she's been taught, because of the things that she's seen. You have seen and been taught so much. Pastor has said it in the last few weeks. Every one of you out there, if you've been here for any length of time or not, you have been equipped. You are more than able to do anything out there. You're more than able to answer the questions almost anybody has. You know how to pray. You know what to expect. See, some people pray but don't really expect an answer. You think, well, why would you pray? Well, sometimes you just wonder. They, I don't know. Does it make people pray, feel good that they prayed? Uh, it only makes me feel good if I put some faith with it. If I put some faith with it and I know that I can expect God to answer me and that he's faithful and that he will answer me, he will do exactly what I ask him to do when I'm praying the prayer of faith. Do you know how many people don't know that? They do not know that. You know, all, I, you know, you hear it so many times in, in, in medical situations. Well, all we can do now is pray. And you think, if you really analyze that, if you've gotten to that point, well, all we can do now is pray. Listen, that's the first thing you do, not the last thing you do. But if you've gotten to that point, there's no faith in it. Might as well save your breath. Because there's no faith that's going to be able to be applied to this situation if you have exhausted all your other options and now all I have left is prayer. No, that's not the way that works. Amen. You know, but you know so much. Just share with people what you know. Just share with them what you've seen. Share with them what you've experienced, how you've seen God move in your life and other people's lives that you know. Tell them, just like Jonathan did and Brian did, God loves you. He loves you too much to leave you like you are. 
If you've got problems, he loves you so much, he wants to change that problem. He wants to change that situation. He wants to heal your body. He wants to make sure that you're provided for. You share those things with them. It goes on here and say, it says, make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto you. See, we don't know everything. We, we know a lot, but we don't know everything. We haven't seen everything God wants to show us. Oh, my heavens, there's so much more out there. There's so much more he wants to show us. There's so much more he wants us to experience in our own lives so that it becomes something that we can share with somebody else. You know, we're, none of us are living at the level that God really wants us to be at. None of us are living at that level of faith, of prosperity, of health in our bodies, of provision in our lives, uh, of boldness in our witness, uh, of, of tenacity in our prayer life. We're not, none of us living at a place where God wants us to go. He's, of course, he's happy with you, but you know what? You, only, you don't need to stop there. What was it Smith Wigglesworth said? I'm, I, I want to be continually dissatisfied with the with this dissatisfaction that can only be satisfied over and over again. Something like that. I wish I'd written that down. Is that it? That's close. You know, you have to constantly be in a place where you're not satisfied to stay where you are. Where I am is good, but it's not as good as it can be. And so we, you have to constantly be, be pushing yourself so that you don't get to a place of complacency and apathy that you're just willing to just stay put where you are. Because really nobody ever stays put. Mm -mm. You know, if you're not pushing forward, the tide of this life is pushing you back. You have to be constantly on guard and at the, at the helm of pushing this boat forward. You, you can't just coast. There is no coasting. You have to be constantly pushing on in the spirit, things of the spirit, constantly pushing forward against what the enemy would try to hold you back with because he is constantly trying to push against you to hold you back from moving on into the things of God. So don't be satisfied where you are. Oh, it's exciting where we are, but there's more excitement out there. Oh, there's more excitement to come. I tell you what, if you just stop right here after a while, it just gets to be old. So don't do that. Just keep pushing on. Just keep marching on. Keep going forward. Keep taking that next step. You know, God never calls us to do anything that, we're not, that he knows we're not able to do. But see, the problem is sometimes that we don't think we're able to do it. On God's part, he's going, you can do this. Hey, come on, come on. You ever saw a baby, you know, trying to walk? Come on, sweetie, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And as your children get older, there are things that challenge them in life. And you go, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. Come on. Even when your kids are teenagers, you know, and they're struggling with something, you look at them and go, you can do this. You can do this. See, that's what God's doing to us. You can do this. When that thought crosses your mind in any situation you find yourself in, that I can't. You start, stop and start listening to what's on the inside because on the inside you're going to hear, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. And so I just want to remind you tonight, 
You know that, that if you find yourself ever questioning yourself, stop it and hear what God's got to say about you. Go back to the Word and find out that you're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. You have the victory in all things and at all times. Victory belongs to you. Victory is yours. Never let the enemy convince you that whatever you're up against, that victory does not belong to you or it will not come because, yes, it will. You stay in a place of faith. You stay there, and your victory will show up without a doubt. Um, I, I just know that God is establishing us currently in some things. We're getting to a place where we're more rooted, more grounded, our foundation is becoming more and more firm and established in the things that we already know so that he can build on what we already know and take us to places that we've never been and do things we've never done and to see things we've never seen. I'm telling you what, it's taken a long time, seems like. And yet, the foundation has to be firmly established. If a foundation of a house is not put in right, when the house gets built, after a while, the house will crumble. But I'm telling you what, when the foundation is firm, when this foundation is good, when it's been, when it's been laid out and it's been, it's been put in place exactly like it ought to be, and the winds come after the thing has been built, nothing is going to get it off its foundation. And see, that's the point. Your foundation has been established. It's being established. And now we can build on something. Because I'm telling you what, the winds may start blowing strong, but this, this foundation is going to stand firm. And the house that gets built on it is going to stand firm. No problem there at all. And uh, I just want to remind you, don't struggle. Don't struggle. And so, and so and when I got to this point, I went and pulled out an old sermon I had about grace. And, and in it, I had talked about several kinds of grace. But the one thing I got to that I wanted to pull out tonight was standing grace. Go over with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Listen, God's grace is what enabled them to stand through all of that. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Listen, there is standing grace no matter what situation we find ourselves up against. And, you know, there are times when situations will come our way that we have no choice but to have to, to do them. We have to, we have to tackle them. And yet, understand this, that no matter what the enemy throws at us, we don't have to do it in our own strength. The grace of God is there. Didn't Paul say, when I am weak, then you are you're strong? Your grace is sufficient for me. So what kind of grace are we talking about? This kind of standing grace is a divine enablement to, to do something. I, was, I had, had written down uh, on this. This is this was the old days. This is how old this sermon is. It was just handwritten instead of on the computer. 
And uh, I had written down something here that makes so much sense. Grace is a gift, a tangible gift that enables you to do something successfully, victoriously, without so much effort on your part, without it even being a strain. Anybody got any furniture movers, those little glide things that you put under something to move it? How many times have you tried to move a piece of furniture on your own and in your own strength and uh, hurt something? (laughs) You know, I've done that. But you go get a set of those gliders and you stick them under each leg of that piece of furniture and you take just a couple of fingers, you know, and just push it. See, that's what grace will do for you. You're, you're, putting, you're putting some effort into it, but you don't have to put near the kind of effort you would have because it's not your strength that's moving it. Those gliders are, listen, the grace of God is like gliders for your life. I, I recall when my dad, uh, when my, just the weeks leading up to my dad's going home to be with the Lord, you know, and there was so much going on because he had, you know, I don't know how many of you remember that, that story, but it's been almost eight years ago now. But he, he had Parkinson's, and he fell at home, and he broke his neck. And for the next six weeks, he was in a hospital. There was all kind of complications and things going on, and we thought we were going to have to try to find a nursing home. And, and you know, I, my mother was depending on me for everything. She, she didn't want to deal with any of this stuff. She just, okay, she's going to sit at the hospital, and she's just going to, she's going to be there. And, and she, every time there was a decision that had to be made, she was looking to me to help to make the decisions. And there were times I found myself driving back and forth from here to Jacksonville going, God, I cannot do this. You know, and, and I, just, I would just start praying in the Holy Ghost. And the grace of God... I could feel it like something tangible, almost like a blanket would just kind of follow me. I I remember one one Saturday morning, you know, during all that, I had just gotten home on Friday night late, and I got a phone call the next morning, and I I had to pick up and go back to Jacksonville. Uh, But something had happened, and on the way, this is about four weeks into it, and I'm emotionally and physically spent. And I just said, God, I cannot. I cannot do. I cannot do this. I can't. I just can't. And I, I just started praying. And I tell you what, somewhere about, oh, I don't know. I went the back way around. I think somewhere about Stark. Suddenly, suddenly, just this this velvety kind of a thing just kind of enveloped me, and I knew the grace of God had settled in on me. And I didn't have to do anything on my own anymore. That he would make the way for what I had to do that day. You know what? We most of the time do not think to start off with the grace of God. We wait till like I had done. You know, doing everything I could possibly do in the natural. Doing everything I thought everybody expected me to do in my own strength. Instead of starting out with saying, God... I'm going into this, but I'm going into it with your grace that's sufficient. And not taking the chance to say, let it work in me immediately. Let it start working in me now. Instead of waiting until I was, you know, at the breaking point to say, God, where's your grace? What does it say? Come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly so that you may have find grace to help in time of need. Listen, as soon as there's a need, take yourself to that throne and find that grace 
Get started in it so that you don't wear yourself out trying to do what you cannot do in and of yourself. You know, I don't know what the days ahead hold, except that I do know this. The enemy's not going to be satisfied to let you make strides in the Spirit without trying to take it away from you. He's not satisfied with letting you just kind of, your life just play out, you know, easily and quietly and bountifully and blessed without trying to strip it off of you. But when these things start happening, find the grace real quickly. You know, some people, just like I had done, you know, kind of take grace, you know, and we forget, we forget that it's that, that divine enablement, that part of what grace is, is so readily available. And we just kind of, it's kind of like on a shelf somewhere, you know, gathering dust until the next crisis. You know, my, my dad used to be the world's worst. You would give him a Christmas present, and he would let it sit in the box, in the closet, you know, a minimum of a year before he'd take it out, and then decide he loved it. I, I, gave, him, I gave him something one time, a, a hot lather machine, you know, because he st- at that time he still, he still liked to shave with a straight razor. You know, and, I get, and he sat there for a year before he got it out of the box, and then I, then I didn't hear the end of it, how much he loved the thing. And I'm going, well, you could have loved it a year longer <laughs> if you had just taken it out of the box. Listen, grace is that way. Take it out of the box. God's already given it to you, so you start using it. Anytime you need it, it's right there. It's available to you. Don't let it sit there and gather some dust and make your life hard. Gracious. But yet we all do it. Listen, this doesn't mean that you don't have something on your part to do. But our ability, our anointings, our giftings are enhanced. You might say even turbocharged. And the results will be greater and we'll be better off because there's not going to be any frustration, no anxiety, no tension, no stress, no despair, no depression when you let the grace of God give you supernatural ability to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Hallelujah. What time is it? Oh, 8.32. Let me, let me just read this to you. This came... This came on a, Brother Randy Greer's... He put this up this morning, and so I, I shared it on my Facebook. You know, and it's about prayer. And it's about, for, about the church. You know, and... and I, I'm, I'm, bad, I'm really good to, when I find something that's a particularly good quote for, from somebody, is I've, I've taken to starting to write some things down. You know, and in these, the, last, the last couple of months, you know, you know we've, we're seeing such a move of, move of God in the church, you know, and so many of us have been talking about making commitments and keeping those commitments and, and putting things aside and, and, and streamlining our lives so that we, we fall into that place where we're right smack dab in the will of God. And, uh, and prayer is, is something that for a lot of people is hard to get into. I mean, you have, to, you have to make yourself, you know, sometimes get to a place where you 
you, you, you engage in prayer. I want to say it that way. Um, it's not that there's not an interest, but there is no commitment. And so this is, this is something, a quote I wrote down from, I don't even know where it came from now. I didn't write that down. Here's the difference between interest and commitment. If you're interested in something, you only commit when it's convenient. If you're committed to something, you accept no excuses. Isn't that good? Mm-hmm. The things that we commit to will never be convenient. And yet we'll persevere and we'll push on because we're committed to them. We're committed to them. And it's, it's an amazing thing to me to see the kind of commitment level that's coming out of this body in the area of prayer and to see the results of that commitment, beginning to see them in, in, in people as we begin to share you know, just any given opportunity in, at a gas station, you know, on the side of the road, at work, you know, all the different places. What a, what a wonderful thing. But this is a, a prayer that Dad Hagen prayed for the church. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to read this. And uh, if you like it, go to my Facebook page and you can find it there. It says, Forgive us, O Lord. We've fallen and come so far short of the prayer life you intended us to have. We have settled for such a a low grade of fellowship with you until the things of the Spirit are so unreal to us, while mental and physical things are so very real and dominate us. May we do just what the Bible commands us to do, present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which which is our reasonable service. And may we not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds until the things of the Spirit become more real to us and until thou, O Lord, become just as real in our spirits as the clothes we wear and the automobiles we drive. Then we will move out into the realm of the Spirit to pray. For you are the Father of all spirits, but especially of our spirits. For we have been born again and are born of you. And you have given to us means of supernatural communication whereby our spirits can be in direct contact with the Father of spirits. For as Paul said, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. But we have taken so little advantage of this means of prayer. And you have not been able to do what you wanted to do with us and for us and in us and through us in the past. We weren't ready. We weren't in place. Ah, but now we are ready to some extent, and you're able to move us forward. But may we not stop here, Lord. May we not be satisfied. May we be like Smith Wigglesworth of old who said, I am satisfied only with the dissatisfaction that has to be satisfied again and again. That was my quote. May we move on from glory to glory. May we understand what you're saying about these last days. May we, through intercession and travail, give birth to that wave and to that move of God in the earth that you desire. May we understand what you you are saying to our spirits. We sense the urgency of it. We sense the need of it. We sense the necessity of it. May we respond to it, O God, that your holy will may be wrought in this hour and that we may rise up in faith and in the power of the Spirit be the giants in the earth you always intended us to be. May we be sensitive to the Spirit. May we be sensitive to His touch when He arrests our attention. May we know what He wants. 
May we respond to his prompting that he may manifest himself through us and demonstrate himself among us through signs and wonders and through diverse miracles and distributions of the Holy Ghost. May we respond in the crisis of the hour and in the crisis of the day so that we shall be ready for whatever arises. We will flow with the Spirit and out of our innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Then the dry places shall spring forth in beauty and those who are thirsty shall find water to drink. The spiritually dead shall be raised and revived and life shall be made manifest everywhere. And we shall rejoice and be glad and declare that you have done it. All praise and honor and glory be giving, given unto you, for you deserve it, and you are worthy. May we be so dead to the flesh, so dead to selfishness, but so yielded unto the Spirit as we do the works of righteousness and perform the works of God, so that the acts of God are made manifest in us. For we are in the end times. We face the last days when armies shall gather at Armageddon. That day will come, but there will also come a sweeping harvest that sweeps across the world and around the globe because we prayed. Because we dared to stand in that place of prayer. We dared to stand in the gap to make up the hedge and to intercede for the land. Thus the work of God shall be accomplished, and that which the Lord desires for the last days shall come to pass. And the harvest shall be reaped, the angels shall rejoice, men shall be blessed, and the glory of the Lord shall shine round about us, brighter than the noonday sun, in the name of Jesus. Amen. He's been gone for 12 years. And I don't know when, this, when he prayed this prayer, but it's as fresh now as it was the day he prayed it. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.